Man, the Lakers and the Celtics have some late game drama. John Morant has some words for Andrew Nebhart, and Jeremy Grant refuses a contract from the Blazers. I'm Rosa Panda. This is the Clinic All NBA Podcast. I have the two hooligans with me. JJ, how you living, my friend? Hey, man, I'm feeling good, feeling great. Wish my or our NFL team made it further, but it's all good, man. Always next uh, year, I guess. Man, I'm still recovering. Sammy, how you living, my friend? Can't complain, man. I'm good, and I will quietly uh, celebrate the other side of that aisle and uh, <laughs> go from there. Praise Mahomes. <laughs> yeah, man. Congratulations to your Chiefs. At least a third of this panel is feeling good today. But anyway, we are going to talk about some basketball here. So I know everyone saw this Lakers versus Celtics game, but in case you didn't watch it, basically at the end of regulation, LeBron James was trying to go for a game winner in which he was going up for a layup and he gets fouled. Get over here. So obviously that afterwards, when the when the the horn sounds for the end of regulation, LeBron James has like a Academy Award performance <laughs> on his knees. Pleading, like, why didn't I get this call? And after losing, okay, to the Boston Celtics in overtime, 125 to 121, basically, they're saying that they haven't been getting calls. And after reviewing, I guess, they there have been 34 incorrect calls in the final two minutes of their 19 close games this season. 21 of them went in favor, actually, to the Lakers. And I want to ask you guys, because Davis is saying things like it's unacceptable. We don't get these calls, et cetera, et cetera. What do you guys think of like this analysis by the Lakers after this game? That was uncalled for. I would say the facts disputed it pretty quick. And apparently uh, their record might need to be even a little worse than it is, but they're getting helped out. Just gonna, <laughs> gonna say. Um, this one though was it, it was blatant. This was one of one of the worst non-calls I think we've seen this season. I think that's pretty uh, pretty obvious, pretty easy to say. Uh, you mentioned it earlier though. LeBron's like attempted Golden Globe performance was just way over the top. Chandler Parsons' tweet about it was even worse, for those of you who didn't hear that. Mm -hmm. He basically said he wouldn't feel that bad if, quote, his French bulldog got ran over by the mailman, to which he oh was probably gosh. blasted on social <laughs> media as he should have been. Don't bring your dog into this. But, but this was pretty blatant. It was bad. And, you know, through the course of a season, I think usually these things regress. They end up being 50-50. But the occasions where you see the calls that are just so blatantly obvious that get missed, just look even worse and related to that before i kick it to you guys i don't know how i feel about these last two minute reports because i feel like what they end up doing is just opening things up to criticism and you know some people with the nonsense the nba is rigged stuff and all that kind of thing like i get that the league is trying to create transparency but i think this might actually hurt them more than help because it opens up more criticism and end of the day these refs are humans they're going to make really bad mistakes sometimes but it's focusing them on them really the best thing so i don't mean to you know steer this in a completely different direction but i just wanted to point that out because i don't think i'm a big fan of these but overall relative to this game what did you guys think i just want to comment that i agree with you it doesn't do any good like what's the purpose of these reports other than you want to be transparent but if you're going to trans be transparent 
there has to be some benefits to it and this doesn't benefit anybody if anything it makes the nba that much more worse and it provides more ammunition for the players to treat the refs like have they been getting been getting treated and everyone's been complaining oh Jeremiah complains to the refs luca complains to the refs lebron play, uh complains to the refs but this doesn't make the situation that much better but I don't know if this is the solution because we've been seeing the other Laker players say that Laker, the refs need to be held accountable, which I agree with, gentlemen. But do you agree with the other Laker players, which is should refs be fined? If the, there are these plays where a foul actually affects the shot and the the result of the game, should they be fined? And I think that's where we need to realize that refs will make mistakes. I mean, like what you said, but just be consistent, man. Yeah. Like you see during the game, like they're calling these ticky tacky fouls, like not to back up John's team, but we saw Tatum get some calls. I'm like, you should probably let that go. Let them play. But then you're going to call. You're not going to call the one that obviously altered LeBron's shot at the rim. Right. Let me go back to my first question, though, Jun, which is. Do you think refs should be fine? Sammy, do you think refs should be fine? Dude, this is something I want to talk about. Because generally speaking, I want to say refs should not be fine because they're human. Everything is so fast. It's bang, bang. But then I look at this play and I'm like, it's right in front of the refs. And it's so obvious that he smacks him on the arm where I'm like, Maybe you should be fined like five grand. <laughs> like this was awful. It was one of the most awful non-calls that I've seen in a long time, especially late in a game versus a superstar. Like mm-hmm. LeBron James is going up to the rim. Like how do you not see that? Right. I don't. I don't know. I'm. I'm almost feeling like if it's that blatant, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against it. So funny enough, literally on Twitter just now. I guess LeBron was uh, interviewed tonight. So uh, we're recording this Tuesday night. They just played the Knicks. And I believe they won in overtime. Here's LeBron's quote. Tonight's game was decided by the players. In Boston, the game was decided by the refs. They are not letting this go. So here's the thing on the fine front. I, I get where it's coming from. And this one was so blatant, but... I think we have to look at it also when the players are fined, usually it's because of some action that would trigger a, like, I think it's uh, like a morals clause or a clause in their contracts, right? That's where the justification is for the fine. For the refs, there's two things to remember here. They don't make nearly as much money as the players do, one. True. And two, this is their job. and. We all typically have our own day-to-day work, and I'm sure we've all made mistakes before. And so I just kind of equate it to, how would I feel if I got fined at work if I made a big mistake? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, yeah. So I, I get where people are saying that, but I think the other way to go is just, I think what the NFL does, and they're not always great at it, but what they do is they actually tabulate these similar reports. They don't broadcast them, but then they determine who gets playoff assignments and therefore extra pay and the Super Bowl based on whose performance is best during the year. 
I'm sure the NBA does something similar. I think maybe that's just the way to go with this. I don't know if there's a perfect answer. I mean, end of the day, if the same referee makes more and more mistakes, then maybe that person, unfortunately, just doesn't cut out to be a referee. I don't know who missed the call here and if it's someone who constantly does these things. But I don't think you can go the route of finding. But I just found it funny that LeBron is clearly not over that call. And neither is Chandler Parsons, apparently. Uh, anyway, <laughs> JJ, you, are you finding? Yeah, what do you think, JJ? This is tough because usually I would say no. But if you're going to affect the records, especially in the West, I think that's why LeBron is up in arms with it. It's just these teams are only separated by a few wins and losses. And we're just going to see a separation later. And a loss could mean you're playing in, in the play-in or you're a playoff team or you're not even the you're not even in any contention for a championship right mm -hmm. it drastically affect yeah. that and i i did want to give a shout out or not a shout out but i did want to clarify a few misconceptions to the public the boston celtics under eric lewis that one rep i know it was widely tweeted out that the celtics are 36 and 2 the real number is 49 and 28 so still a winning record, but it's better oh. than 36 and two. And 49 say. and 28 is more along the lines of their regular record anyway. So there's not a large discrepancy there. Exactly. And I did, and I did uh, want to state the following to the Laker fans. You guys are in top five in free throw attempts. So the Laker fans that are saying that you're not getting any of the calls, you are top five, not just in the West, but the whole NBA. <laughs> but I just want to leave it at that. Absolutely, JJ. You're on the money right there. But I'm going to move us on to our next topic here. So the Eastern Conference starters were announced recently. Where it goes Kyrie Irving, Donovan Mitchell, Jason Tatum, Kevin Durant, Giannis Antetokounmpo. And Daryl Morey had some things to say about this. He said, Joel Embiid completely hosed once again. This time, the, the perpetrators of the crime were the shameless media who most of them have recused themselves because they don't want to vote on something that affects players paychecks but the shameless boston media is way over present they haven't recused themselves and they shoved joel joel low enough so that he isn't an all-star starter it's crazy i want to know do you guys think that Darrell more or daryl maury like has a case here has some legs. Oh. Well, Sammy, didn't you mention last week, and we've covered this multiple times, that the all-star voting isn't just the fans, but it's players and it's the coachings, the coaches. It, and It's split between, I want to say, I think it's fans, media, and players? or fans? Yeah, fans, media, and players. Yeah, so, and we also said that the, the back... The backcourt's pretty competitive. You have Giannis. The frontcourt, yeah. The frontcourt, yeah, yeah. front, front sorry. Yeah, you have Giannis. You have um, just an insane amount of frontcourt members. So, I don't know. I think to accuse one fan base and their writers is kind of crazy. <laughs> but what do you think about Mori, though? Is he on the... Is, is he right, Sammy? Uh, I think sometimes he talks too much. To start, I'll say that much. Um, so here's what I want to look up. I believe All-Star voting started up in December. You guys, please correct me if I'm wrong on that. Um, 
Now on that front, I know Embiid, obviously he's been great this year, but I want to say he missed some time here and there right when the voting was going on. So let's keep that in mind. And that being said, he obviously has a case. He's actually, I believe he's now the MVP frontrunner, so clearly he has a case. But it's not like it was this egregious thing where someone clearly less talented than him is a starter over him. I mean, you're talking about KD, Giannis, and Tatum. All three of those guys have been talked about as top two to top three MVP candidates at some point in the year. Obviously, KD went down, but again, going back to my point, I think he went down when the voting was already in progress. So, does Embiid have a case? Of course he does, but it's understandable how this occurred. But more going out and making comments like this, like, I guess what I would ask, and I'll ask you, I'll throw this both back to both of you, what does doing this accomplish? All it just, to me, it makes Maury look bad, and it makes it look like Embiid is the one complaining, even if he's not himself. But it's a bad look, and I actually think stuff like this, because the media is going to remember it, could subconsciously affect him in the MVP race later. If they remember people on that team, like basically calling the media out. Like, you think Boston people are going to be more likely to vote for him for MVP now when you say this? So it's just, it's really short-sighted to me. I'm not a fan of it at all. June? I'm not, I'm not a fan of it either. Like, I'm, I'm exactly where you are, where it's like, what did he expect <clears throat> out of this? Also, Joel Embiid in media votes, I think he, he placed third. And I know Jason Tatum was number one, but have you, Daryl Morey, have you seen Jason Tatum play this year? Like, it's, he's been incredible. And yeah. to have Joel Embiid third in a really deep Eastern Conference, that's still super impressive. So I don't think he has a lot of, like, ammo in this per se because i think in second like second place it was Giannis Antetokounmpo. so right. it let me yeah, let ahead, me say ahead. one more thing and i just researched how many media members for the voting are from boston and it's only two so, okay so along that and let's let's go let's compound this farther thank you yeah so here's the other thing here's how the daryl morey's taking off his tinfoil hat right now listening yeah. to this pod yeah here. let's put it down for a second because here's the vote and how it's weighted media gets 25 percent. the players get 25 percent. the fans get 50 percent. and the player vote Embiid was third and the media vote Embiid was third Embiid lost this vote because the fans voted him fourth. And that's where the most weight was. The player vote had Giannis one, KD two, Tatum four. The media vote had Tatum one, Giannis two, and KD four. So those ones were almost completely inverted. But it's the fans are the reason that Embiid's not starting. So if Maury wants to come out and speak against all the fans, He's more than welcome to. I, I don't think I would advise that, though. So I'll leave it at that. I don't think he's going to do that, but I'm going to move us on to our next topic here. John Morant. Apparently he had some words for Andrew Nebhart. During a game, I guess Nebhart had told um, John Morant's father, T, to shut up. And that's when Morant walked up to him and he had this to say. He said, I checked his temperature. He didn't have a fever. <laughs> I, okay. I was curious what you guys think of this interaction. What do you guys think of, I guess, Team Morant, okay. etc. Well, I said this last week, which is 
Team Morant. Oh man, why did I say his name? John Morant's dad <laughs> is definitely giving LeVar Ball vibes, but LeVar Ball never acted like this. This is what people thought LeVar Ball would act when his sons would be in the league. But I'll give LeVar Ball props again because at least he's never done this side court. And it's kind of like what Reggie Miller said, Sammy, within the 30 for 30 doc, Reggie Miller versus the New York Knicks. If you're gonna be on the, if you wanna be part of the game and you're gonna talk to the players, he's gonna make you be part of the game and he's gonna talk trash to you. So it's, I don't know why John Morant's dad doesn't expect people to talk trash to him if he's talking trash to the players. Like, what do you expect? That's that's a good point. So basically, you're saying he spiked Morant in Reggie Miller's <laughs> world. All right, I, I'm mad at that. And you know what? It's it's not good if you're if you're a player's parent to be in the media and being discussed twice in about a week and a half. Like, yeah. you shouldn't. The story should not be about you. They should be about your kid who is playing at the highest level of professional basketball in the world. So the fact that he he keeps popping up is it's not a good sign. I don't like the fact also that when we keep talking about Memphis lately, it feels like we're not talking about their on-court ability, but more so how much they like getting into it with people. Yes. And I know we've also discussed this a lot, and I'm sorry I have to use a cross-parallel here, but they remind me a little of a, a certain team who tried to rename Kansas City Stadium last weekend. <laughs> uh, yeah, Cincinnati, what up? Um, if you haven't won anything yet, like, don't talk this much. You can say something here and there, but get the ring first. Get to the finals at least. Like, I get how talented this team is. I know they want to be confident. But all you're doing is putting a target on your back, and maybe teams don't need extra motivation in that way. But accomplish something first. Like, you're basically yeah. just putting it out there like you're the best team in the league. Like, and Morant earlier this year also said, I'm not worried about anybody in the West. Settle down. Like, you should have been last year because you didn't make it to the finals. So, I love the guy's game, but I'm getting tired of the fact that we keep hearing about this team in that way. Am I overstating? Am I, am I being too... What's the word? Old school, I guess? Or are you guys... Do you guys want to see I'm, more I'm... of this? I'm with you. It's ever since they they called themselves a dynasty that that was <laughs> that was already too much. And I wouldn't be surprised if John Morant starts to get kind of like sick of this like interaction, like players interacting with his dad too, and his dad like tries to go get his tickets at the box office and is like, "Son, why why are my tickets in the 200 level? <laughs> like I thought I thought I was supposed to get courtside seats." But anyway, I'm going to take us to our next topic here. Jeremy Grant apparently was offered by the Blazers a four-year, $112 million contract. But he has decided to wait until after the season to make a decision. And he had this to say. He said, I'm kind of focused on the season at hand right now. Probably will wait until after the season to talk to Joe Cronin. Everything is good. I like it here. Really enjoying it. So, yeah, we'll discuss it when it's time. Do you guys think this is something or or nothing? Especially after, you know, since the Blazers had sacrificed so much to get Jeremy Grant here. I honestly, I don't think this is that big a deal. And the reason I say that is because this is something the NBA, in my eyes, has to fix during the next CBA. 
the way they wrote the last CBA, they were trying to make it more likely for small market teams to keep their players, if you guys remember that. That's where the five-year Supermax came from. And as part of that, they wrote in this almost addendum about the extensions, but it somehow backfired. I think it was when the cap spiked. Because you look at what they can offer him in season, it's 4 for one twelve, And like you were saying, he can basically get offered double the money in the offseason and other teams can offer him an additional $60 million. So what is the motivation for players to take these massive cuts to take extensions? So I don't blame Grant in the slightest. I personally don't think it's the wisest move financially for a team to pay him 230 over five. And that's no disrespect to him. He's a solid player, but 230 over five, you're paying that for a number one, number two at, at worst, right? And I think he can be a very good piece on a good team, but I don't know if he's a number two superstar on a finals or a title team, right? So, so that being said, I don't think this is something where it's a big deal on his part at all. I would be curious when we get to the offseason if someone is going to offer him that 174 over four. So, because that's what, if I'm doing my math, that's about 42, 43 million dollars a year. That's a big number. So, I'd be curious to see how it goes, but I don't think this is a big deal. Jay? I kind of think it's a big deal. Okay. I'm a Dame fan, and the Portland Trail Blazers, it's not a free agent destination, Sammy and Jin. And I feel that when they got Grant, it was one of those things that it, it really fit their scheme. And we found a really good relationship with Dame. And we're at that age or at that point with uh, Dame where he's at that age where he needs to have free agents come to him because he's so loyal now. So like the fact that there's a threat that he could possibly leave is somewhat concerning. And his choice of words too, like, he could have said like, oh, I really love it here. Um, I could see myself here for a long time, but when the time comes, we'll talk about it. But he kind of just said the standard things that you would say when you negotiate, which is, everything's good. I like it here. I'm really enjoying it, but we'll discuss it when the time comes. Just seems weird. It's, it's, it's uh, I think it's a good business tactic on his part. and. I would be a little nervous if I'm the Blazers because that's a pretty hefty contract, like you were saying. And they obviously love him that much that they traded for him and they wanted they want to extend him, but he's not biting on it. What do you think, Jun? Like, like you, you know, offers, as, that's oh, go ahead. Sorry, I was gonna say as as John would say, who's missing from this pod. Shout out to him. Um, what he would say, you know, since since I'm a Blazer fan on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I have a little bit of investment here. And the thing that I don't get is why even offer him this contract unless your franchise is trying to be as cheap as possible. And the Portland Trail Blazers are notoriously cheap. They will not go over the cap. They will not bend for the, for whatever reason. And you have this guy sitting on your roster right now, shooting 48% from the field, 42% from three. Like he is having an awesome year for your team and you expect him to take the reins that once was held by CJ McCollum. Why would you even lowball him like this? So the only thing that concerns me is if I'm Jeremy Grant, am I feeling some sort of way about this offer? Do you guys, is that a little off kilter there? So you think the contract is too low? 
the offer. Well, it's like why offer four million for one twelve, okay, as an extension, if you know that this man, he knows as well, he could get paid upwards of two hundred and thirty million if he just waits until the season over. Why oh, even true. offer this contract? True. Right. That's like, that's like half of what he could possibly make if he waits until the end of the season. It just seems disrespectful. I don't know. I might be overlooking this or kind of overanalyzing it, but to me, that's not good business. I don't right? know if it's a cursory kind of, this is the most we can give you right now. So just to show you, we appreciate you. We will throw it out there because it's the max extension. I'm just, I've seen it done before. I'm not saying that's necessarily the logic here. But I get where you're coming from. So, because theoretically, you could cancel all that out by basically talking to his agent and saying, the moment the offseason comes, we're going to give you this offer. That's significantly yeah. more. So that's very true. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if this turns into like kind of a game of chicken with them basically challenging him to get the 174 over four from somebody else. Um, I mentioned to you guys offline before we started here that maybe they were going to kind of pull something similar to what the Suns did with DeAndre Ayton. The only difference here is they don't have the luxury to match. So they could have kind of a deal with him in place saying, if someone offers you this, we'll match it. Who knows? It's. I'm curious to see how this one ends up. Yeah. Just, just to me, it's like, if someone told me, like, at my job, like, hey, at the end of the year, I, I could possibly give you this Tesla, but I've got this Ford Focus right now. If you'd like that one. It just seems kind of weird to me. You might have, they might have just offered him that because we've seen in the past where, you know, on the fringe all stars or just role players get screwed over due to injury. Dennis Schroeder. True. True. That's very true. Yeah. That's absolutely true. But with that, we're going to take a short little break with a word from our sponsor. NBA fans, it's time to bring the hoops action to the palm of your hand with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet $5 and win $200 in free bets instantly. Download the app now and sign up with code TBPN. New customers can bet $5 on the NBA and get $200 in free bets instantly. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA with code TBPN. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. Void in Ohio. See show notes for details. All right, with our next topic here, we have the NBA Rising Stars participants announced. And it goes like this. We have Rancho or Paulo Banchero, Jalen Durian, Jaden Ivey, AJ Griffin, Walker Kessler, Benedict Matherin, Andrew Nebhart, Keegan Murray, Jabari Smith Jr., Jeremy Sochan, and Jalen Williams. And that is the rookies. And now for the second year players, we have Jose Alvarado, Trey Murphy, Scotty Barnes, Josh Giddy, Jalen Green, Alfred Sangoon, Quinton Grimes, Bones Highland, Evan Mobley, and of course, Franz Wagner. And I wanted to ask you guys, of this list, do you guys feel like there's a certain player or players missing from either the rookies or the second year players? <laughs> Sorry, Sammy. You know what I'm going to say. JJ, please go ahead. I mean, it's hard for me to complain about this game, especially that only I would say only really hardcore NBA fans watch it. But where's Kaminga, youngest player to win a championship, who got meaningful minutes in the playoffs last year? 
Yeah, that's a that's a good point. Um, that one is weird to me. Uh, I will also throw out there to you, out of curiosity. I know he hasn't been great this year. Jalen Suggs being an omission oh. in a game like this is kind of interesting. Good for one. Uh, I would have also said I believe Devin Vassell is a second-year player, but he's hurt right now. So. Those would be interesting picks, but I think outside of Kaminga, the second-year list looks pretty solid. Uh, what a Shaden Sharp. Shaden Sharp is a rookie, yeah. Although, given the list, I actually I do like the rookies that they selected. I, I do feel like these are all guys that are making an impact this year. It'd be hard to remove one of those guys. That's my issue on the rookie yeah, list. I actually think point. they did a pretty good job on that rookie list. The second year list, I think Kaminga is the main omission. Suggs has kind of struggled, but I'm always interested to see players like that in a game like this. They tend to be a little more relaxed, and they'll let the game flow a little more. So that would be the main guy I can think of. Well, out of... I'm, I'm going to also announce that there's also G League players that are part of this game, and it composed of Sydney, Cisco. Mojave King, Scoot Henderson, Kenny Lofton Jr., Matt McClung, um, Leonard Miller, and Scotty Pippen Jr. And of the total list, who do you guys Bruh. think is going to stand out the most during the Rising Star Challenge? I'm gonna throw a name out there to you because uh, I just I've been kind of tracking him since he jumped into the starting lineup. I will freely admit this is also related to fantasy basketball. He's been very helpful for my squad. Uh, Jalen Williams from OKC yeah. stepped into the lineup maybe 25, 30 games ago. He's putting up, just to give you guys like a sample of his last few games, 19-4-2, still on a block, 17, uh, a couple nights ago against the Hawks, 24-5-2 with four steals, shooting it well from the three-point line. Like, this kid can play. He's a good, solid player. I believe he was the 12th pick in the draft this year. And he's getting some mention, but because obviously OKC has been in a rebuild for a while, although they're getting better this year, he hasn't, I haven't heard a lot of like public discussion of him among the rookie class. Really curious to see him in an environment like this. I think he's going to really shine. What about you, Jay? Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't have any much more to say about the commentary about the game, other than that the coaches are kind of sketch for who they have. Like you have D. Will as one of the coaches. <laughs> like Paul Gasol, okay. What, they're like Rocking Noah, that's cool. But D. Will, I don't know. That dude left a bad taste in my mouth on how he exited. I think you're protesting the game because Kaminga's not in it. <laughs> yeah. And because yeah, James Wiseman yeah. didn't get picked for the G League squad. I'm being bitter, sorry. Can I say I really want to see um, Kenneth Lofton Jr. play in these games just because he's such an unusual body to like just be an athlete you know what I mean and it's like he's been really effective like in the G League as well so I think watching him will be a lot of fun I hope that he stands out but I guess we will just wait and see and that's actually all we have time for today I want to thank you two for being on JJ thanks for being on man Hey, uh, shout out to uh, John and our listeners out there. Thank you, everybody. Yeah, of course. Shout out. Sammy, thanks for being on, man. Always good to be here, man. Thank you. 
and shout out to our video producer rj check out our youtube channel remember to rate subscribe and review like us on our facebook group page the clinic all nba podcast and follow us on twitter at clinic all nba i'm rosa panta this is clinic all nba podcast come find us wherever you get your podcasts